You're listening to the God Center Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom of four young boys, I know motherhood's hard. But sometimes I think I make it harder than it needs to be by putting myself in the center of things or even my kids. I forget to place God there and be led by His Spirit. I also tend to forget that I'm surrounded by God. He goes before me, He walks with me on the hard days, and He comes behind me when I make a mistake. So each week I'll interview someone new and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. Welcome listeners to the God-Centered Mom podcast. I am really excited to share our exotic guest, (laughs) my husband, Bruce McVadian. Welcome, Bruce. Hello. I'm very honored to be here with you. We always joke that he should have um, a God-Centered Dad website. I think you've even reserved the URL. It's true. <laughs> you have? That's true. About a hundred URLs. <laughs> I think your readers are waiting for you to start this blog, God Center Dad. Um, but I do think the reason I wanted to interview my husband and for y'all to get to meet Bruce is uh, he comes from a family with three sisters. He's the only boy. Ironic that we have four boys. Uh, and his dad is a physician. So growing up, they did a lot of medical mission trips. And so I thought it'd be cool if he could share with us what that looked like. So tell me, when do you remember, or when was your all's first mission trip? And where'd you go? I think I was probably about three or four. Um, we would go, I grew up in Houston. We'd go down to Mexico twice a year, usually for about a week or a week and a half over the Christmas holiday, and then for a week or two over the summer with a group out of San Antonio uh, called Time for Christ. So we would go twice a year until um, really from when I was about three or four until I hit junior high. At that point, we um, started going overseas. We spent a couple summers in Liberia, uh, Monrovia, Liberia, um, in both cases, before the revolution that it ended up destroying a lot of the uh, uh, radio station and hospital and so forth that was there. So I'll stop you for a second. So when you would go to Mexico and you were three or four, you weren't the oldest child. So you had um, a sister who was? I had a sister who was four years older than me and two years older than me. So, so let's say four, six, and eight were our ages. So which is like exactly what you and I have right now. Uh-huh. And I cannot even imagine... You know, one, taking vacation with all of them seems like a huge ordeal, let alone to take any time you have off work to go and do missions. Um, so how long would these trips to Mexico be before you guys started going overseas? So they're about a week and a half, week, week and a half. to week and a half, and What I would think. you guys do in Mexico? What was the main? Well, my dad's a general surgeon, so he would be there. It was always medical focused, and so they would set up a clinic. And they would um, do everything from uh, cleft palates to much more severe, um, you know, orthopedics or, or more tumors and things like that. And it was generally like a school or a church, um, generally um, in a, a very low income area. And then there would always be a pharmacy with donated drugs. And oftentimes myself and my sisters would work in the pharmacy and literally count pills so we would be get like a prescription for you know a certain number of pills, and we would go out and we would actually count them and put them in a case for the patient. You're a pharmacist. 
How? I was a pharmacist. I, <laughs> if I knew how much pharmacists made then, I, I would be a pretty wealthy person. <laughs> so, so okay, besides counting pills, what other things would they have you do? I mean, just pretty much anything? Me? What yeah. would I do? Yeah, uh, like as a kid, like I think we underestimate sometimes what our kids can do. And your parents kind of, like you always describe it as they had wide boundaries. How do you say it? No, I mean, th- I think my parents were considered to be strict, I think, from compared to my other friends' parents. Um, they were very, um, they had a lot of say and control, so to speak, over what we watched and the activities that we did. But when we would go and we would do activities together, they would kind of have wide boundaries but really high fences. So um, when we would go to Africa or we'd go to Mexico or wherever we would go, they would actually give us room, believe it or not, to get involved and, and not micromanage that process. So you would just have like free reign to run around? and. Well, to some extent. I mean, I do remember in Mexico when I was young, I was probably – five we were in i think a place called wheat seat salingo was up in the cliffs and things like that and i want to have that on a t-shirt yeah and um and i i ate the ice cream and it was locally made ice cream and uh, i was sick for about a week so you know we would we would get out we would play with the local kids and we would eat what they eat and drink what they drink no matter what our parents maybe had warned us to and and we would often get sick (laughs) Me always, always sick. And um, do you have fond memories of that? Just I'm just focusing on the Mexico time before we go international beyond Mexico. Um, like, what did you at the time? Did you think this is ridiculous? Why are we going? Or you just didn't really have a say? They just went and. Well, honestly, that's just what we did. Like, it wasn't viewed to be anything crazy. And um, at that age, of course, it literally was. Where we were getting up literally on Christmas morning. I, I think it was almost always Christmas morning. We would get up on the uh, uh, the Mexico trips, and we would roll out at like four in the morning, and we would drive to San Antonio to meet a bigger group. And um, I feel like we would roll out of, of their place around noon on uh, Christmas Day. So I mean, it was just that's what we did. We were always traveling on Christmas Day, and usually our Christmases happened earlier. And it was just something that that's just what we did. Which I think is awesome. And I can say as an outsider, I mean, I'm an insider to your family, but like an outsider coming in a few, several years ago, that they're a very close-knit family. Um, they love each other a ton. They love spending time together. They're always laughing and hugging. And it's like this picture-perfect little family. And part of me just feels like, you know, yes, your parents are loving people and wonderful people, but I do think... That serving together piece is something unique. Uh, I think on our first date, when I said, tell me something that I don't know about you, that was like the first thing you mentioned. It was kind of a defining feature of your family, do you think? Yeah. No, I think that's true. I think my parents also had a different... My parents kind of have a unique view on things in general. And um, one of the things they also did, um, and I think this is especially important when we traveled, is they, they tr- actually focused on not getting involved in the drama between kids because we all know we have four kids now and I grew up with four kids and so did Heather there's just drama is just there's always there kind of inherent it's inherent right I mean just you know anytime you have more than one person there's going to be drama right to some extent and so with four kids and two adults you get that and my parents always had this view of you know they would 
try to only get involved if it really got to a certain level um, where there was harm potentially involved. But and I think that was good because we were traveling. We had to learn how to get along because um, sometimes things would get very stressful or there would be tight deadlines to get a train or a bus or um, flight or whatever it might be. And there was, uh, we always just kind of learned how to roll with it. And it's kind of like we were, you and I were talking about today. Um, when you have a common enemy, and not in your case, it was a common purpose, a common goal, you kind of have to bond together you know, united we stand, divided we fall kind of idea. And you were talking about Bruce has made it a personal goal to read all the biographies of the presidents and has now expanded to even other historical figures. And he was like just sharing with me about Alexander Hamilton's biography. My hero. (laughs) His new hero. And um, one piece of history was kind of how you can tell it better how the states came together. Well, no, I mean it just—it it was just really interesting. Um, this day and age, with different parties and perspectives, people have a lot of views on the Constitution, and so I want to go back and understand how it happened um, by understanding a lot of the biographies around it. And what you just realized, general, is back in the independence um, during during the Declaration of Independence and the War of Independence. Everybody was united. There weren't really political parties. There was a common purpose and goal to be independent from, from Great Britain. And once that all finished, and um, then it came to actually running a country, that's when the sides began to come up, and it was very brutal. And I think the, the same analogy comes with, you know, even now, 9-11, the whole country came together, and politics were put aside for a period. And, um, and then, of course, they returned. And, and I think, you know, that happens in our families, too. Um, so having that common purpose kind of united you, at least, you know, you, you did say that there were a couple triggers on trips that would cause meltdowns for you personally. Food. Food and, and sleep. And sleep. Those are the two I was thinking of. And I think that's consistent no matter where in life and probably for most people, but definitely when you're traveling a lot and when we get for a little further along, like we were traveling into Africa or Asia or Russia or wherever it be, you know, um, you'd oftentimes be traveling for periods of time and, and food and sleep would just be, it just wouldn't be your normal schedule. And so those are always tricky enough things when you have a pretty normal, regular schedule. And when you're really stretched out, you're traveling long distances and you're in a foreign place where you can't understand people and the food may not be very good. So you've even... Where was it that you traveled very far to get American food? Oh, Moscow. And I was actually at that point, I think I was a freshman in college, <laughs> maybe. I was hungry. And the food, and this, keep in mind, this was 90, early 90s, 93, 94, um, right, you know, not too long after they had um, overthrown the communist government. And um, we were there, and the food in Moscow, at least at that time, was terrible. The hot dogs weren't straight, and they were made of something <laughs> even more, more unknowable than American hot dogs, and um, and they were atrocious. And we kept getting fed them, and so we were actually at a mission building somewhere in Moscow, and I was hungry, and so by myself for some reason, and my my parents, you know, they didn't they supported me. I got on a subway in Moscow and went to the other side of Moscow. It was about a forty five minutes uh, subway ride. 
to another subway station that I heard had a Taco Bell kiosk. And so I went there and I bought like four bags of food and brought it all back and ate, you know, my portion of the way back. And um, yeah, there's some definitely some desperate, desperate times. Another one time in Liberia, I was probably 10 or 11 and I was helping on a construction project and, um, and we were eating something. It was very spicy and some meat in it. And I realized it was monkey after I, after I ate it. It was, it was, it was delicious. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> You're a big monkey fan. I think monkeys are so cute. Well, I think, I think a key part, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you're kind of complaining about food, but really, in general, your family doesn't complain. I mean, we joke that it's like a Monty Python movie. You guys could lose a limb and you're like, it's merely a flesh wound. I mean, there's, I think there's this element of seeing the world, seeing true poverty, experiencing a vast amount of conditions and experiences that you realize, what do I have to complain about? You know, do you but, think? Yeah, I think that I think that is true. I think you see broader. I, you know, as we were talking earlier today, you know, our our own kids now don't have that same kind of breadth of experience, and so how can we do that? And I think what I'd add, probably the most important part of that, was just the modeling of my parents. My mm-hmm. parents don't complain. Um, you know, when you ask them, you know, they, you know they're always fine um, from a health point of view. And they, yeah, they don't, they don't complain. They don't come up with excuses um, for, for things, for everything. It's refreshing. Yeah. Whereas I'm complaining all the time. This is what the message folks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I put them under the bus on that one. So, Okay, so you did Mexico, and you've kind of mentioned trips to Moscow and Liberia. What was your favorite trip? Hmm, favorite trip. You know, I think the tricky thing about it is when I was younger, and I started getting older, I I, uh, I started to realize that I was having different vacations than my friends who were going to fun places like Hawaii, and um, even, you know... Like when we would go somewhere, we'd never stay at a resort. We'd stay at some like missionary hostel. Um, and so even if we were at a cool place, we weren't staying at any cool places. And so um, I started to want to go to camp. You know, like, why can't, why do I have to go to Taiwan? I want to go to camp. So one summer I actually went to camp for a month and um, at Kanakuk. And then flew to Taiwan by myself, and I was 16, and um, I'd spent uh, 30 hours flying, and because I had a couple of plane changes and driving, until I got to see my family in uh, in Taiwan, and um, the it, that was actually one of the highlights because I think there was a great people we met there, and that was a just a great um, uh, environment and so forth. I, I probably the Taiwan trip probably was my favorite of all of them, but the irony of it is. By going to camp, I missed my parents. My whole family went to Tokyo, Hong Kong, mainland China, Singapore, Malaysia, um, probably more. But I kind of think back now, and those are all places I I would love to go to and love to have been. And I missed out because I want to go to camp. That you, in comparing yourself to the average, you wanted to be average. You wanted to be like the regular Joe high school kid. Yeah. And did you love Kanakuk? 
Well, I don't know. Canicuck necessarily is uh, it's fair to Canicuck, but I would just say, you know, go, going to camp for the first time at 16, um, when everybody at the camp kind of has been going together to camp for since they were since you know for five or six years, you know, it was, you know, it's hard to break into. It's hard. It's hard to break into a camp. Yeah, that was. I. It was funny. We didn't know each other then. He left Canicuck like the weekend that I came for a two-week stint. So we have the same matching camp shirts. Aww. So if anybody who listens to this went to Canicuck, it was the summer of Feed the Fire. Feed the Fire. Light the Fire. The Michael W. Smith song. Okay. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so we have been in discussion. What does this mean for our family if Bruce experienced this, you know, all the benefits of family doing missions together and their family benefited from, you know, closeness. And then the world benefits from other people coming, especially his dad kind of training doctors. And um, I think you organized music once, didn't you, at a radio oh, station? Yeah. Swaziland. See, look at all the mission work you did. So that's a country that probably most people don't realize is actually a real country, but it's right um, kind of right around South Africa and Mozambique. Um, and, uh, we spent a summer at a, a hospital and there's actually a radio station down there that broadcast over Southern Africa. And, um, one of my sisters and I worked in the radio station and, you know, once again, I think there were some tax benefits to my parents and we were working. So we were always additionally encouraged to work for tax reasons as well. And so, um, we would go and, um, and this time my sister, one of my sisters and I volunteered to work at this radio station and we would literally listen to music and they were trying to take music and classify it according to different themes so they could look for music that they wanted to include in a, in a, some sort of topical show. And so we literally listened to music and classified it for their look cell spreadsheet. Which is pretty cool on the, on the job resume, you know, mm-hmm. kind of helping your kids figure out what they like to do and. It is ironic, though, because right below downstairs, there was a, a Taco Bell. Not a Taco Bell. It was a Kentucky Fried Chicken and a McDonald's. So, you know, no matter where you go, even in Swaziland. You can't get away. Can't get away. You can't get away. Um, yeah, so we're trying to figure out what do, what do we do with our kids. And it's just kind of been a topic of conversation, maybe one that I bring up more than Bruce. Because it's more familiar to him than it is to me. My story includes homeschooling. His story includes mission trips. Taking positives from both. Um, yeah. I, and, you know, I think also there's this, I, I know that your littlest sister, she was, like, born into it. I mean, mm-hmm. she knows no days. She's eight years younger than you. She doesn't know a single year of her life without your family doing mission work. But I think there's she's a little bit of a fear, right? There was some, it, you know, I think it's also taking your kids. There's some unsafe places, but... Realizing we're really not safe anywhere. I mean, you and I had our house broken into last January here in the states, but um, she had one experience in Africa. Well, I think there's yeah, I think there's two things. There's a wiring thing, and then there's you know an experiential thing. And I think with that sister, she you know she she doesn't like change, whereas myself, my parents in particular, and I, I would say two of my older sisters as well t- tend to appreciate or thrive on change actually much more and that sister does not as much and, and she's so, she will say that so it's okay for us yeah, to yeah. Broadcast she, she would that not a... she would not disagree with that um but yeah no, we, we did have a um a time when uh, we were in uh, liberia we were walking back to this house that we were staying in and walked past this man carrying a duffel bag 
and uh, didn't think anything of it at the time. We got back to the place where we were staying, and uh, the place had been um, broken into. And uh, and it was just, this time it was just myself and my sister, and I was in sixth grade, and she was, you know, uh, she would have been probably like you know pre-K, and so um, they but they'd also broken into the door where she in the room she slept. So that was it's probably not a great example for this, but that was that was definitely something that stuck with her even really to this day, I think to some extent. It's yeah. kind of a traumatic experience at a young age. Yeah, he stole underwear. I remember you guys Yeah, that. and there was nothing necessarily violent at all about it. They caught the person actually and and the person, you know, just, just didn't have any money and took an opportunity. Nobody's around and broke in and, and stole yeah, he was it was a very practical very practical um, burglary. He stole my dad's underwear and a lot of practical stuff that he could wear and put on his family. So you kind of feel a little bad. It also makes you realize too, and I think is what you experience. You go to other countries, particular more poverty-stricken countries, is their needs. They're really looking for basic things. You know, here if a kid would break into a, or somebody break into a place, they'd be stealing TVs and video games and laptops, laptops. and things like that. iPads. There, it's you know, in many countries, they just food, they're looking for clothes. real basic sustenance. Yeah. And speaking of food, you have a good story too of um, how things aren't really labeled clearly. And your sisters were making some cookies. Uh, well, that was also Liberia. Well, yeah. So we always bring things with us. We would, we would bring in boxes of. First of all, bring in boxes of medical equipment. My father would get um, uh, donated by some very large companies here, and it was terrific. They give hundreds of thousand dollars of equipment, and we'd bring that in. And we'd also bring in food. Um, oftentimes just food for ourselves, things like peanut butter and chocolate chips and things like that. Which is good to know for like missionaries. Like yeah. if you know missionary families, like those are the things. That they can't get. They can't get. They, they can't get. They can't get a good peanut butter. They can't, yeah. In many cases, you, you really can't. I mean, some of that stuff is changing as some countries develop, but but a lot of that stuff you can't get. And um, so my parent, my I walked in and my sisters were making a um, chocolate chip cookie dough, which, you know, chocolate chips are gold since we brought them and um and they just kind of left out the dough on the calendar i was like hey can i have some I'm like sure have as much as you want which should have been my my red flag. red flag but you know i was i don't know 13 14 and i just dove right in with a big hand basically handful stuck in my mouth and then they started laughing and i realized that they had inadvertently misread the cans and swapped the salt and the sugar um, and so it basically was a big salt cookie. It was disgusting. It still tasted to this day. Yeah. On a hot day. Yeah. Good memories of chocolate. Good memories. Good memories. So, um, yeah, any other thoughts you have about traveling or? Well, I think it's good to, it's good to, in many ways to talk this through because it, these are things I think I take for granted. I think I don't, I don't really think about this. I, I think Heather thinks about this more than I do. Because I think it's like any time that you've had an experience, that's just part of who you are, right? You don't, you don't deliberately think about your experiences because that's just who you are. And so, talking about this does make me think more and more about um, a how much I take this for granted, and b, you know, what does it look like for us? It might not look the exact same. I am the opposite of a doctor. Um, <laughs> I have no no, no medical. I was a language pathologist. I mean, I could do some stuff. You could. I couldn't cut anybody open, probably, but. Yeah, and so I, I think you know. I think w with us, 
it's going to look different than it did for my parents. And so there's not like a cookie cutter of you got to do this, this, and this, and your parent and your kids will experience in a, you know, X, Y, and Z. I think for us, we have to kind of figure out what that looks like for us. And it might be something completely different, but ultimately what you're trying to accomplish is um, investing in other people and showing the, the love of, of Christ to other people um, and and also showing that as an example to your kids and exposing them to something beyond what they're exposed to in their normal American life. Yeah, you know, we have friends just on the street. Um, he works full-time for a homeless ministry, and it is just a part of their family that they'll have conversations with um, a homeless man or they'll go down to the shelter or they're just constantly involved in people's lives that are broken and I just think it's good for their kids to just have an other center perspective. Um, just seems like sometimes I think in our consumerism as Americans, we're just seeking comfort and convenience, and and when there's anything inhibiting that, it causes strife and and just this yucky cycle. And so I think you know, since this is the God Centered Mom podcast, if we're thinking about getting around God, I think God would be about loving others. Um, if you break down the Ten Commandments, it comes down to love God, love others. And I think if we really love God, if we're really about His business, then we're really about doing His work and getting dirty and, and outside of our comfort zones. And maybe it's a mess with our kids being there, and maybe it means we don't get to go be at a resort. But um, ultimately, if it draws our kids' hearts closer to Him and away from themselves and being... I feel like, you know, my husband Bruce, he like demonstrates Christ's love to people more than any Christian I know who, you know, I don't know. I feel like people can be sometimes over-religious and yet lack the day-to-day love. And I, and I see the love in Bruce because it was modeled for him and his parents. And so those are my two cents on that. Let me add one thing as I kind of think it through it. I think... And this is, I think, exists in all facets of life is when you want to, when you want to take a step out, sometimes it's hardest to take the small steps, actually, that when you take a small step, you kind of measure it and you maybe dramatize it to some extent to where it feels like a really big step, but it's a really small step. And sometimes if you take a big leap, all those intermediate steps that were so intimidating look really small and inconsequential as hurdles in, in the rear. So as I kind of think about, you know, these types of things for people who, who might have fears about, well, I've never, I don't like to get on an airplane or I don't like to, I've never been to even Mexico. I've never been, you know, across the Atlantic or Pacific or ever like it, 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 things like that. And, you know, how could I ever go to the mission field? And once again, the mission field isn't for everyone, um, for sure not. And so, but I think sometimes people need to not think about like itty bitty steps, but in actuality, they need to think about take, actually taking a big leap and aware by doing that, they will experience all those itty bitty steps and realize that those itty bitty steps were, were actually very small hurdles. And I think it's, it, it is, uh, it's empowering. Just take the leap. Take the leap. Sink or swim. Yeah. I think it's good. Bruce, thanks for being here. You're welcome. <laughs> Right here at the kitchen table in our PJs on a Saturday night. This is this is our this is our fun Saturday night. We're, we're gonna we're gonna go this, out tomorrow night and the next night. I mean we're gonna be wild Sunday night, Monday night people. This is a date night. This is a date night. 
All right. Well, I hope you all, whatever, wherever you're doing, uh, if you're at the grocery store or folding laundry, doing some dishes, that God blesses your day and uh, that you and your husband can have these conversations about how your family could um, think of some way to serve outside yourselves. Sound good? Amen. Amen. Preach it. All right. Adios. What do y'all think? <laughs> you got a little glimpse into uh, what it looks like when my hubby and I talk about life and ministry. Um, I did want to clarify real quick that uh, our friends do not live on the street. They live down the street. And the ministry that they're part of is Our Calling uh, here in Dallas. So if you're a local Dallasite and you're looking for some place to serve, uh, check out Our Calling. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the God-Centered Mom podcast. I hope you enjoyed our guests as much as I did. And if you're looking for resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. I want you to know that God is just as present at your kitchen sink as your church pew, that he sees your service and he is pleased. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you and he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.